this time on Holy Ghost Notes. Talk to me. Hit me up, because I could probably do a podcast about that. Yeah, I'm in. Boom, ka, boom, ka, really basic beat. Okay, well, I want to learn how to play that. You're screwed. Yo, 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 what's cracking? This is Tim and Matt, and this is the Holy Ghost Notes podcast. How are you doing, Matt? (laughs) (laughs) Had a Shatner thing going on there for a second. (laughs) Yeah, that was good. I like that. I'm doing great, man. Uh, Excited to be doing this podcast recording with you today. I'd say Mm -hmm. uh, it's an exciting week for us. I was not going to mention this for the entirety of this episode, and here I am within the first 20 seconds about to mention it. Um, By the time you are listening to this episode as a listener, this event has already happened. Beating Drums to Battle Cancer is um, an event that we are starting this year. It's a Holy Ghost event, really initiated by our friend Caleb Allensworth, who has been gracious enough to hand over the reins um, to us in a lot of ways and just saying, hey, this is an idea I have, something I'm passionate about, but I see you guys uh, as taking the reins on this and really making it an event. So the goal of this event is simple. Five-year-old girl, Mannheim, Pennsylvania, battling a rare type of cancer for the second time. Last thing in the world our family should have to worry about is money. So my goal, our goal, $5,000, one night, one hour, bring the community together, make this thing happen. By the time you're listening to this, uh, you will have the ability to know how much we raised. And my goal is that it's five grand. If it is in excess of that, praise God. If it's uh, short of that, praise God. We've already uh, we've already blown the lid off of my expectations, and that there are already over a hundred people coming, which is yep. so sick. So, yep. if you um, if you attended the event and you're listening to this, thank you in advance. It's kind of weird to talk about it like that, but thank you. Seriously, <laughs> yep. we've been working pretty hard uh, to put this together, and my goal is that it becomes an annual event. Um, mm-hmm. Perhaps not for the benefit of cancer necessarily, but maybe. Uh, either way, surrounding bringing the community together to surround a family or an, or uh, a, a type of people or a person who is in need and just doing what we can to help. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm excited to, to meet a lot of you. I know, uh, at least one or two of you is driving all the way up from Florida, which is crazy. Insane. Um, thousand so, miles. Um, uh, yeah, I'm excited to, to meet you guys. A lot of our uh, inner circle members are going to be attending as well. So I'm excited to meet a lot of you in person. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, yeah, so it's it's going to be it's going to be good. Um, I'm really excited. We've been spending a lot of our time, um, you know, if we were going to start asking what you've been up to lately, uh, it's pretty much been this, right? <laughs> this right. event, um, aside from our day-to-day jobs and whatnot, you know, it's been uh, pretty much pretty focused on this. Um, there's been a lot of really generous people, anonymous donor dis- uh, said they would match up to $500 on purchases uh, from uh, Matt's yeah. Circle collection, which is incredible. Um, there's just been so much support. Um, and I've just been really moved by the generosity of, of these companies that have, you know, I mean, they're not getting anything out of this, not making money. We didn't pay for this, these, these, uh, these raffle items that they just gave them out of the goodness of their heart. Ultimate years gave a, I think a $2,000 set of in-ear monitors as a raffle item. There's (laughs) not even tax incentive. Have you thought about that? I mean, that's the old man in me thinking, you know, we're in our 30s now, so it's like, okay. Right. 
think a little there's bit no different. Write-off. Yeah. There's You're no write off here. <laughs> like there's there's nothing. There's no nonprofit to write right. a you know four hundred one c three receipt for. That's right. So this is just pure generosity and love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's it's been uh, it's been pretty moving to me and and uh, and a lot of you too that can't make the event are like trying to figure out how you can support um, in other ways and that's just been super cool and, and really encouraging just to see the community of people. Uh, you know, it's like, it's like one of those like faith and humanity restored type of <laughs> scenarios where, yeah. you know, however bad I might think the state of the world is at, you know, this completely changed my perspective. Yes. There are so many good people out there and I just, yeah, I'm overwhelmed by it. So, so thank you all for being a part, um, in whatever way you've been a part, um, it's going to be a great event, and uh, we're looking forward to it. So. Absolutely, man. So uh, what have you been up to other than uh, work, being a dad, being a husband, being a son, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, organizing this event, editing yeah. minisodes? <laughs> yeah. Probably had a lot of spare time, right? Uh, yeah, tons of spare time. <laughs> um, uh, you know, that's about it, actually. That pretty much sums it up. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> lots, yeah. Of, lots of work, as always, you know. Um, been spending a lot of time with my son. It was my wife's birthday uh, this past weekend, um, and my son's birthday is coming up. Actually, the day before the event is my son's birthday, um, so it'll have passed by the time you guys hear this. But um, yeah, we're having a, a PJ Masks birthday party that Aww. I'm also trying to plan with my wife. Right. Um, <laughs> so uh, that's been fun. Are you selling raffle <laughs> tickets have... for that event? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. It's yeah. There's. We're gonna have eight kids um, in my townhouse, and and all of their parents. Um, somehow, we're all gonna fit, um, and it's gonna be fun. My uh, f- close friends of ours gave uh, my son a bouncy castle. Dude, I gotta say, man, like as a parent, I am so jealous. Yeah. Of my son yep. because he gets the stuff that I always wanted growing up. Yep, and you like, never got I always it. wanted, yeah, exactly. I always wanted a ball pit. I always wanted like a motorized vehicle. Um, I wanted uh, a bouncy house, like all the stuff that like every little kid wants. Like Caden just gets all of it and not from me. <laughs> like I don't buy it for him. Other people give it to him. He's got it all, man. It's like, it's insane. But yeah, so we've been planning this party and uh, of course I'm up on all the, the latest kid trends. So, um, if, if anyone, anyone has any questions, not drum related, but kid related, hit me up. Cause I could probably do a podcast about that. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but, uh, and probably be more successful too. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps. What have you been up to, dude? Uh, I just went to the cabin this last weekend. We have a cabin in Potter County, right. which is up North about three and a half hours North of Lancaster. Um, I yeah. just got a, um, I ha- I've been without a vehicle for five months, so I finally found a truck and I put it to work. Nice. We cut down a, a big oak tree in the woods up there. It's yeah. Have you ever been up to Potter County or up to that part of the state? Um, I I have, but not. I haven't stayed there. Yeah, I've been I've been in the whereabouts though. It's yeah. a different world. It is a different world. Mm. And so even down to like, okay, we arrived at the cabin without a whole lot of trouble. Not a lot of snow. Not a lot of sleet. Not a lot of ice get to the bottom of the hill that leads up to the cabin and we can't get up it because of the ice so we have to go up get <laughs> wow. the snowmobile bring the snowmobile down with the cart <laughs> put our sleeping bags and pillows food you know all that stuff that we packed on the back of the sled take it up and Dang. make a couple runs uh it's a different world no cell phone service if you get stuck 
you're screwed. <laughs> but it's it's because of those elements that make the cabin so special. The day the cabin has cell phone service and the day the cabin's just this easy place to get to, easy place to get around, not a lot of obstacles or opposition, it's going to completely change the experience. Most of the experience is really in those details. So got the truck up there, cut down a big oak tree that had been struck by lightning. Wow. My brother looked at me. My second cousin looked at me. They both said, well, we need to get these you know, logs out of the woods so we can get them up and split them for firewood for next winter. I'm like, well, I have a truck. And my second cousin goes, yep, yeah, okay, go ahead and grab that. And my brother Ben goes, no, 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 no. I'm getting my Suburban. You're not going to use your new truck to skid logs <laughs> out of the woods. Like, that's the epitome of, like, throwing yourself into the fire right away. There's, there's no pause here. It's like, buy the truck, now I'll use it and, you know, get it banged up potentially. I said, no, you're not getting your Suburban. I'm using my truck and I'm going to actually use it. So uh, I, I wasn't sure if he was going to be upset at me or not. Ben's the kind of older brother that we all need and and yet he's an older brother you know and so i back it up i i skidded four logs out and i look at my rearview mirror and there's ben with his video camera and he's his cell phone and he's taking video of the whole thing and uh i saw this i didn't mention it, it to him and then later on he goes um hey dude i recorded you know some of you working i said yeah okay he said i'm gonna send it to pastor kevin i said okay why are you gonna do that he goes well Simply put, the caption will be, Matt owns his truck. His truck doesn't own him. <laughs> that's, that's cool. He's like, it's nice to know you're not materialistic. I'm like, well, if, it, if, if a scratch had, had found its way on the side of my truck, maybe you'd see a different side, but I'm glad you think that way. <laughs> so we had a really good time, man. It, it's just, good, man. you know what it's like getting away from the craziness and busyness and just having some time yeah. with, with family. My dad went along. That was the highlight for me. It's tough mm-hmm. to, that's cool. It's, it's tougher for him to get around now. He's, he's in his sixties. And if you're listening to this and you have a dad or a mom or a relative who's starting to, um, you know, you're just starting to see their age kick in. It's, it sucks. It just, yeah. it sucks. Um, my dad's in good shape. He's in good health, but to get him out of the house and make a three and a half hour drive to a cabin where the outside temperature is zero degrees at night, it's, it's not exactly ideal. And, yeah. um, yeah. so I'm just glad he went. We had a great time, had really good conversation. It was really good for me. And, um, it just very refreshing, you know, coming into this week leading up to the event and then prepping yeah, for kill switch good. in uh that's march right. so. yeah 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 you've got a busy schedule coming up yep yep <laughs> but uh exciting yeah yeah i'm glad you're able to go and get off the grid for a little bit everyone needs that from time to time just you know a release and uh escape from society especially yep. someone like you who's pretty much non-stop all the time you're probably the busiest person I know. <laughs> so, <laughs> besides yourself, besides yeah, my my wife is even busier. Your wife's than I am, busier, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've got an exciting episode for you guys today. We're gonna um, talk about bitterness, and uh, and on the drum side, we're gonna talk about uh, being uh, or structuring your creativity, um, and uh, you'll find out more about what that means in a second yeah <laughs> sounds good um so uh we came up with these topics like an hour ago so bear with us little to no pre- preparation as 
per usual, <laughs> um, but it's going to be good. I find that it turns out better that way, right? Oh, yeah. At least that's what I tell myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's kick it into gear with drums. So um, right. organizing creativity. Uh, when I sit down to write drum parts, what I usually do is start with the end product and work backwards. What I mean by that is imagine yourself playing a drum beat that has all the components. You have left foot on hi-hat, right foot on kick, right hand on ride, left hand on snare. Playing a full-blown drum beat, all four limbs, you couldn't be doing much more than what you are. It's appropriately written for the song or for the part. Oftentimes people miss the fact that what you have created by playing that 10 out of 10 beat using all of your limbs is someone will write that and go, okay, next part or next drum beat. When in fact they can take what they've written and squeeze a lot more out of it than what they think. So you've taken the work to write this drum part. You can actually take components of that out of the drum part and still have a sweet drum part. In doing so, you're creating dynamics. So let me explain this. I was writing drums to a song we have called Spirit Breaker. There's a bridge in that song where everything kind of quiets down, closed hi-hat, kick and snare. There's a little bit of like an open hi-hat at one part. It's it's a lot of like 16th note linear patterns. So linear drumming, as we've talked about before, is where one limb is playing at a time. There's no two limbs playing at the same time. 16th notes being 1E into 2E into 3E into 4E into. So there's a lot of moving parts here. It took me a long time to write this drum part. And when I had it written, if you're listening to this and you play drums and you know what I mean, when you have something that you've been working on for a while and all of a sudden it clicks like a puzzle piece, it's the best feeling in the world. So that happened one afternoon. I'm like, oh, this is it. This is the drum beat that fits this kind of airy atmospheric guitar part. And so... I had this drum part written. I had spent all this time on it. It sounds sweet, but I needed like four full measures filled with drums and I only now had one written. And I'd spent all this time getting here. So I'm like, wait, am I gonna spend just as much time writing the additional three drum parts as I did just for this first one? That's insane. It's gonna be a lot of work. So what I actually ended up doing was taking that drum beat, taking the sticking, if you will, the orchestration, the arpeggio, and instead of instead of using that drum part on hi-hat, kick, and snare, moving my right hand over to the floor tom and playing exactly the same orchestration. That was part two. Then moving my right hand over to the ride and the ride bell, playing exactly the same sticking, exactly the same orchestration, just not on the same musical instruments. Mm-hmm. So now I've squeezed three different parts out of this one sticking. Yeah. And all I did is move my hands around so that I'm hitting different musical instruments and it sounds like a completely new drum part when in fact it's exactly literally exactly the same sticking the whole way through mm-hmm. yep. that's what I mean uh, similarly uh, writing a drum part where say your right hand is playing on the ride symbol eighth notes one and two and three and four and snares on two and four one and two and three and four and uh, kicks on one and three boom gah, boom gah, really basic beat Take a look at the right hand, all on ride cymbal, eighth notes. All you have to do to create a little bit of dimension there is create an arpeggio between your ride and your floor tom. So instead of hitting all eighth notes on your ride, take the quarter notes, keep them on the ride, and put the eighth notes, the ends, on the floor tom. 
So your ride turns out like one, two, three, four, one, which you've already been playing with eighth notes. Now add in those eighth notes, those ends in between the ride on the floor tom. One, and two, and three, and four, and you still have the cymbal sound, and now you have this added dimension of floor tom. That would be a good part two. Part one, ride cymbal, eighth notes. Part two, your right hand's now flipping between ride and floor tom. Um, part three could be where you're creating a third musical sound using those eighth notes. So you would be going ride, floor tom, bell. So ride, floor tom, bell, ride, floor tom, bell using eighth notes. One and two and three and four and one and two and three and four and one. You haven't changed the sticking at all. You've just changed what you're hitting. And so I'll, I'll actually organize this in my brain or in my head while I'm writing it out as I play. I'm not actually like notating this on an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper. I'm just simply playing through it. And as I'm playing it, I'm organizing how I want this part to begin and where I want it to go. And this idea in worship drumming is called tension and release. So you're creating this anticipation of what's to come. You're essentially building a part. You're not starting at 60 miles an hour. You're starting at five. You're still driving just like you will be at 60, but you're going much slower with the anticipation of eventually making your way to 60 miles per hour. That's part of the thrill in drumming. It's part of the thrill in music is that you know that big chorus is coming. Without the chorus, the song's trash, right? Mm -hmm. If it's just a bunch of verses, who cares? It's not, it's not going to move you. It's not going to affect you. In the same way, a drum part needs to be written, a, a song on drums needs to be written in a way where it's taking you somewhere. In order for it to take you somewhere, it can't have all of its parts happening all at the same time, every single time. And so what you can do is use this to your advantage and actually take the, the full picture and just take pieces out of it. Keeping in mind, you'll, you'll see the final picture eventually. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be sick. It's going to be exactly the way you want it to be. But you have to start first with just a couple of those colors and eventually integrate the other ones in there until you see the full picture. Yep. Yeah, I think um, even like this is kind of something that's applicable across the board. Um, It's it's not just drumming. It's it's in the the guitar playing, Mm -hmm. um, the Mm -hmm. lyrics, the melody. (laughs) <laughs> that's being sung or mm-hmm. the or what's being screamed um you know it's you're telling a story is really what a song is it's it's telling a story and granted with with certain styles um the need to uh be super dynamic you know can be reduced <laughs> in certain right. styles but i think for the most part um this is applicable across the board like you need to make it interesting the only way to make it interesting yeah. is by having some low points and some high points um otherwise if it's just the same thing played over and over and over again it it's monotonous it's boring it's it doesn't keep your attention and there's um not much to be appreciated about it <laughs> so um you have to take this in account across the board um, with everything, but with drumming specifically, I can say that even though I'm not a metal drummer, I take the exact same approach with with writing drum parts for a rock song or a pop song mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. really what I'm paying attention to is where does it need to build? Where do I need to sit back? Where does it need to be consistent? Um, you know, and you're going to hear that 
in Matt's playing as well. And in, in his songs, there are parts that are played and, and they're familiar. They're consistent. Okay, this is the verse. This brings me back. I, I remember this being played. It's familiar. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's mm-hmm. other parts. Well, oh, that's new. I haven't heard that. And it's only played once in the song. And it's strategically placed at that point to make you feel something at that point. Usually it's in line with what mm-hmm. the guitar is playing or with what um, is being sung. Um, music, in my opinion, should always be complementary of the parts. Each part should be complementing the other part or the other player or the other singer. Um, it's got to be complementary no matter what style you're in. Um, <laughs> otherwise, it's just a bunch of noise. Um <laughs> So if you think about it like a story, um, and I think, Matt, what you said, uh, I know we've said it before, but like this, you know, the sticking, like learning that sticking and just having the sticking Mm -hmm. committed to memory is so Mm -hmm. important because there's so much you can do with that. You can have a part that's that's similar and that you're playing the exact same thing. Technically, you're just playing Mm -hmm. it on different instruments, uh, you know, a cymbal here instead of a tom. Um, That's huge. That's huge for, for diversifying the song, making it, making it different, making certain parts stand out. Um, I know like in worship drumming, um, it's all about dynamic. You know, you're, you're mm-hmm. almost helping people determine what to feel <laughs> right. by what, or how loud to sing or how, how much they need to get into it. You know, um, there's so much build and, and then drops. And I think too, like last, last episode we had Ash Sone on, and you guys were talking about this moment at Zildjian Live where um, it wasn't what he was playing that was mm-hmm. so fantastic. It was the amount of time that he wasn't playing anything that was so fantastic. <laughs> it was mm-hmm. that that jump over the cliff, that, you know, that, uh, <gasps> you know, moment that was so <laughs> impactful. And that is, that's yeah. the yep. strategy in... Um, in songwriting, you know, it's, it's, it's all about, you know, um, how am I going to, uh, play something that's going to make someone feel what's happening (laughs) rather than Mm -hmm. just, you know, have it on in the background. You know, how do I, how do I make this piece stand out? This, this line in the song that's being sung or this, uh, this guitar solo, you know? Um, and, uh, I think it's so important. And yeah. And how do you do it and make it sound intentional mm-hmm. like it wasn't a mess up? Right. Exactly. That That's huge in Ash's case. Mm-hmm. Like, he played that huge open spot where he didn't play. He had this, this drum part going. You knew where it was going. And then he just, like, basically just stopped. <laughs> yeah. And waited and waited and waited and waited and waited. And then he came back in. And a lot of people <clears throat> who don't play drums can oftentimes pick up on something about drummies, or yeah, about drummies, about drummers, and and about drumming that you're kind of surprised by, it and their 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 intuition is greater than what you would give them credit for. In other words, they'll listen to someone playing drums and be like, "That guy messed up right there," and he did. Mm-hmm. But how does that person who doesn't play drums can't tell you the difference between a snare and a kick know that? Well, because there's this sixth sense about us where we can tell if someone didn't intentionally play something or should have played yeah. something, this omission. Mm-hmm. So how did Ash do that in a way where it was like, well, he actually tried <laughs> to not play anything there for longer than most people would not play something yeah. there. Um, and so for me, when I play, I play with that same kind of intentionality. It's like, you have to be committed to this. Mm-hmm. And when the listener listens to what you wrote, 
You want them to understand that you played that drum part, committed to it, you knew exactly what you were going to play, and you meant it. Mm -hmm. It was not something that just sort of came out. In metal drumming, in my experience, I perform at the highest level when I have things determined and set in stone and I'm prepared for what is about to happen. Mm -hmm. There are improv moments throughout and obviously there are genres that are much more conducive to this than metal right but in general i think a common thread would be when someone is good at drums they're able to play something that's predetermined or they're improvising but they're able to play it regardless with this confidence that they are on time and that they mean to play this fill exactly the way they're playing it they know where it's taking them and that gives the listener instead of giving the listener this sense of like oh there's drums falling down a flight of stairs it's like i'm going down the stairs really fast but i'll get to the bottom and i i trust the process and i i can close my eyes and almost feel each step you know it's like Mm -hmm. there's a difference between this is chaos and wow this is really organized i really like the organized side of drumming i like to have my parts figured out and take a scalpel to every single stroke so that I know exactly what's happening. Mm-hmm. That's how I get the best product. Um, the The upside to this is that when you get on stage in front of 2,000 people, you can trust your muscle memory because you have invested the time far way in the past before this show was ever even booked. You've, you've put time in, in, in investing yourself into these drum parts and you've rehearsed them and you know exactly what symbol is going to be hit when. So you can get up there in front of any size crowd with your eyes closed and play it. The downside is the commitment of time. It will require an enormous amount of time in comparison with someone who just sort of wings it. Yeah. The upside is that you'll probably be a better candidate for at least metal drumming, someone who's picked for a metal band. If you're willing to put in that time and show that you're willing to put in that time, not by telling people that you put in the time, <laughs> but by the fact that you sit down on a kit and you play things that are orchestrated and obviously required um, a commitment of time mm-hmm. on your part. Yeah. And, and that's something that a band's going to want. So if you're listening to this and you're a drummer and you're looking for a band, a good way to showcase that you're a good candidate for a band you're trying out for or for any band that might come across your YouTube page or your Instagram page is write drum parts or write drum covers of other bands that show the amount of work that you've put in into your craft, into your hobby. And the way that you do that is by creating drum parts that you wouldn't just be able to sit down and play within five minutes time. Uh-huh. It, it took five days. It took five weeks to come up with the drum parts of this song. Once you're there, record it. doesn't matter if you play it perfectly or not. Just the fact that you can showcase that you've, you've put in time in developing this creative side of your drumming is huge. Right. The, the practice part of it can be worked out, you know, just honing out those little details where you miss a kick hit or a snare hit. Um, I think the real value is in seeing if someone's really willing to put in the time in creating something that is their own. That is a valuable, that's a valuable aspect of being a musician. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think, um, too, I mean, that time can be spent in a number of different ways. Um, like for me, I, I spent a lot of time um, studying different styles of music and, and right. you know, trying to learn how to play different styles of music because how that helped me is that now 
if um if I'm given a song to write drums to, um, no matter what the style is, I I can be a little bit more sensitive to the type of part that needs to be played. So I've familiarized all these different stickings, all these different hmm. fills, and some of them will never be used in anything mm-hmm. ever. And I just mm-hmm. know it because it's fun to play. <laughs> but there's yeah. others <laughs> that like I know and I'm confident that I can play this fill and I hear it as soon as I start playing this song and I, and I know this part is coming up, I hear the fill that I've memorized over the course of the last 20 years or whatever. Um, and I know it'll fit here and I know how to play it, even though I've never played this song before I'm writing this part. Mm -hmm. Um, and so familiarizing yourself with different styles of playing is also huge. You know, um, I think being well-versed is, um, is a big part to, you know, being a professional drummer, unless you're playing, you know, a specific style with one specific band for the rest of your life. Um, you know, I think having that diversity, um, and that knowledge of different styles of playing is, is really beneficial. Um, it does take time. (laughs) It's not, it's not really as simple as just listening to all different styles of music. Um, although that is helpful. Um, you know, it really takes some, uh, some work. What, what was your favorite style of music to learn drums to that's not the most common to you or pop or familiar to you? Um, what's the, like, what's the most fun to play or what was the most fun to learn? The, the most fun, the to most learn? fun genre, Reg- jazz, fusion, reggae. pop, reggae. Okay. Yeah. It's why is that? Because it's not, there's so much off time stuff. And not like polyrhythmic yeah. per se, but like right. it's like um, the thing that I've always struggled with the most is not just playing like like straight beats that are natural that you you know you hear in pop music or like on the radio. It's like the um, like there's so much intricate hi hat stuff. It's not necessarily hard to play, um, but it's difficult to play on beat because it's not mm-hmm. on beat. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. off right. and it's you know, coming in at random times. So reggae has been, and I, I'm not, I wouldn't say I even really know how to play reggae, but that's been the most fun to like write reggae drums, like reggae parts. Um, really cool. How did you learn how to play reggae or these different genres? What did you use? What did I use? Um, I just played to different songs. Um, usually I'd hear a song, um, that I liked. Um, and, uh, or I'd hear a song that wasn't like for if we'll take we'll take reggae um as an example i I hear a song that wasn't necessarily reggae but had some reggae influence and something would stand out about that drum part that i'd be like oh that's really cool i wonder like yeah what where did that come from like that's like so different um and then i'd find out that it was just a popular like reggae fill you know it's not like anything genius it's just like what they play all the time and almost every song so i was like okay well i want to learn how to play that you know (laughs) so i'm gonna learn how to play a reggae song um and that's kind of uh that's kind of how it happened i think um and i don't like listen to reggae necessarily i love bob marley but i don't like listen all the time uh but you know that's something that can even like work like certain songs they might not be a reggae song but certain songs might be able to use this reggae fill because it feels right mm. and it adds to whatever's happening musically you know um mm. so yeah 
So something we talked about before many episodes ago, and I want to revisit it now um, as we wrap up this drum topic. So if you're listening to this, where do you go with this? So let's say you've been playing drums for a year and you're like, create creative creativity. Like I've just been working on paradiddles and six strokes and just trying to develop my rudiments or I'm taking drum lessons and my drum teacher is teaching me how to play with this rock song. Like, what do you mean creativity? Like this seems like uncharted territory. Or maybe you've been playing for 20 years and you just feel bored Mm -hmm. like you you don't know what to play you don't know what to write you feel stagnant you don't know where to go with your drumming let me help explain a simple formula i'm very formulaic in my approach to drumming and in in life in general so here's a formula try this out let us know if it works creation memorization application creation memorization application number one creation sit down at your kit and start swinging your arms and legs and come up with something that is is a sticking that you can remember. I advise that you play on maybe just your snare and your kick or your snare, kick, and hi-hat. Don't, don't look at your whole kit and say, I need to hit everything during the course of this um, for, you know, Say it's a say it's a uh, say it's a eighth note pattern, one and two and three and four and simple as that. Short, simple, sweet. Okay, come up with a beat, a sticking. And something that you can remember. Mm-hmm. Once you've developed it, the sticking, uh, let's say for the sake of simplicity, it's, um, let's say it's right, left, right, kick, right, left, right, kick, right, left, right, kick, right, left, right, kick, hands on snare, right foot on kick drum. That's it. Next thing, memorize it. So creation, you've, you've created it, right, left, right, kick. Next thing is memorize it. That means sit there for a minute and actually talk out loud while playing this. Sounds crazy. But actually do it. So sit here and go right, left, right, kick, right, left, right, kick, and have a conversation about the news or about uh, what you want to eat for lunch, you know, or call up a friend and see if you can actually maintain a conversation. Try slowing it down. Try speeding it up. These are ways to test your memorization. Mm -hmm. Last of all is application. And this is the fun part. This is where creativity really starts to showcase itself take that sticking right left right kick and now move your right hand over to say your ride symbol so it's ride snare ride kick mm-hmm. right left right kick right um the sky's the limit just go for it but you have to use that sticking that's the one rule you cannot veer off from whatever sticking you created now that you have the formula down and now that you have one beat under your belt you see the potential and you see the unlimited possibility, seemingly unlimited possibilities here. Mm-hmm. And you start to get excited thinking, dude, I can come up with stuff that no one else has come up with because I have my own ideas. I have my own drum kit. I have my own sound. I have my own interests. And you could start to create this stuff. And then once you've created, memorized and applied these beats, then you can actually take your iPhone 10, set it up, record a video, put it online and say, hey, add Holy Ghost Notes. I'm working on creating this stuff and here's what I came up with first. Yeah. No wrong answer. The only rule is you create a sticking and you memorize it and apply it and you stick with that sticking. Yep. That's it. That's it. And uh, <clears throat> I would just do your best to broaden your um, your income of influence, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Your, you know, who who you're who you're listening to and who you're um, pulling ideas from. There's a lot of great drummers out there, um, and I'm not saying to try to copy their styles, but just figure out what you like. You know, 
If you hear mm-hmm. something that's cool and sticks out to you, learn it, you know? Um, <laughs> break it down. Uh, it's it's scary at first to try to, like, take something and, and uh, figure out how to play it, but it's probably one of the best things you can do for your drumming is just Absolutely. learn something that you can't play or try to anyway, <laughs> in my case. Absolutely. Often just trying to learn things that I... I never actually succeed, but, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but (laughs) stuff. Yeah. Like learning covers. Um, like a lot of people will write brand new covers to songs. Um, and that's fun. But for me, I find it challenging to play it exactly the way that they played it on the album and match up. That's, that's harder for me. So I do. Yeah, it. I mean, you're learning somebody else's drum part. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's not you. It's not the way you hold the sticks. It's not the way you were raised to play, or the way you practiced. Mm-hmm. And yet, here you are learning somebody else's yeah. way of playing. Yep. And I feel accomplishment when I'm able to play that cover right on. You know, I'm I I get excited. You know, because it's tough. It's hard for me. <laughs> Absolutely. But, yeah. So creation, yeah. memorization, application. Dude, good job, man. There you go. Wow, you were listening. I was. I was. (laughs) (laughs) We have talked about it about three different episodes, so I'm not going to give you too much credit. (laughs) (laughs) At least I was listening one of the times. (laughs) That's right. You're right. (laughs) Okay, so let's switch gears here. We're going to switch to our God topic, faith topic. Sounds weird calling it a God topic when it's bitterness. Um, yeah, it's traditionally become, this is our God yeah, topic, yeah. so it's it'll become a it'll become a God topic in some way. It always comes back. God topic bitterness. We try not to leave you guys with like a bad taste in your mouth, so it'll it'll turn around. <laughs> it'll turn around. I have confidence in us. <laughs> was that supposed to be a pun? Uh, it wasn't intentional, but I'll I'll pretend it was. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Okay, so God topic, bitterness. Yes. Talk to me. All right. So um, bitterness, uh, and this, um, this topic actually is very similar in my mind to forgiveness in that uh, bitterness is something that is detrimental to yourself similar to unforgiveness. If you're not forgiving somebody, mm-hmm. who is it hurting? It's not hurting the person that you're not forgiving. It's hurting you. You're holding that mm-hmm. inside, you know? So bitterness is the same way, you know, um, at the end of the day, there's just no point to it. It is just mm-hmm. not, it's not helping you in any way. It's only hurting you. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And this topic uh, brings up something specific to mind. Um, my, uh, well, one of the pastors at my church um, he has preached this message probably, I don't know, seven or eight times right. <laughs> in the last 10 years. Um, it's somewhat important to him. It is very important. And, and how he uh, taught this, and I, I'm sorry if I'm not scientifically straight on this, but um, basically there are these, uh, there's a, a chemical composition, it's called a peptide. And peptides are um, things that your, I believe, your body creates. Um, it's a chemical reaction um, to how you're feeling. And there's good peptides and there's bad peptides. And basically, um, you know, when you're happy, 
Um, and this is a scientific fact. When you're happy and you're experiencing joy um, and you're just, yeah, just overall, a po- you know, in a positive state, um, there are good peptides being created. They help um, all different functions of your body, your blood flow. Mm. Um, you know, uh, there's like, if they scan your brain, there's like positive reactions positive chemical reactions happening in your, in your brain when you're happy, when you're excited. Um, and um, conversely, when you have negative emotions, um, hate, bitterness, um, mm-hmm. sadness, there are actually bad peptides being created that do the opposite. They harm your body. Um, they break down your good blood cells. <laughs> they uh, cause sickness and disease. They wipe out your immune system. Like it's crazy how scientific this is. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so, th- so my pastor used to just talk about um, peptides. Like the mm-hmm. goal was obviously to have a cocktail of these good peptides because they actually, mm-hmm. it's not just an emotional thing. It's not just um, you know how you think and feel, but how you physically feel. Um, and, and so bitterness, um, when I hear that word, um, when I hear that, I don't know what, we're, what we're calling it when I hear that emotion, I guess, cause it kind mm-hmm. of is an emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, when I hear that, I just automatically think of peptides. I'm like, man, if I am bitter about something, I am just, I am not giving my body a fighting chance. <laughs> not, you know, what would you say the opposite of bitterness is? What, what what's the what is the antonym of bitterness? Hmm. Um. Probably forgiveness. Yeah. Um. Or or just love. Um. So do you know how I came up with this topic? I didn't come up with it because I was thinking about bitterness. I came up with it, and you're exactly right because I was thinking about forgiveness. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I think I think it's I think with I think unforgiveness quickly turns to bitterness. Right. In fact, unforgiveness could probably be classified as bitterness. Right. Right. Synonymous. Mm-hmm. There, there's a friend. I have a friend who I met with recently. He was married for twenty some years, two kids. Wife decided one day she would rather go on without him. And him being uh, a man that I, I really, uh, most people that know him really look up to him. Um, he decided as difficult as this was going to be, obviously she was an adult making her own decision, one that she felt a conviction that she had to follow and she made it and he supported her in the decision. And so the divorce carried out and during the course of the divorce, she asked him if he would build, convert the three car garage on their property into housing for her. They have two kids together. Uh, She wanted to be close to the kids and it was convenient for her. There was this extra building on the property. It would be a nice place for her to live. What would your reaction be? You have a marriage. The person you're married to decides after two decades, they'd rather just go on alone. They ask you to build 
a building, to work on a building, update a building on the property 75 feet away from your house. His reaction was, I can do that for you and I'm going to do it because I, I want you to have what you need and to flourish. Ultimately, my, my heart for you is that you flourish in this next chapter. It's not a chapter I wish that you would have ever found in this book. I thought there was only one. Or if there were more, all of those chapters included me. In fact, this chapter is a new chapter in that it's not including me. Hmm. However, I want your every chapter of your life to be one where you can flourish. So he did it. He went to work. He fixed up this three-car garage, and he made it into a really sweet apartment. Hmm. Recently, she got engaged. Hmm. She dated. She got engaged. I asked him, how did you respond to it? He said, well, it was difficult for me at first, and I had to I had to think about just what part of the grieving process that I'm currently in. I'm remarried recently. Uh, this is him talking. I'm remarried, and, and uh, it didn't seem to impact me all that much, and so I had to really slow myself down and say, is this affecting me more than what I think it is? He's very introspective. He processes everything very well and uh, fully, and, and he came to the... De- to, to the determination that he um, was exactly, he is exactly now where he was then when he fixed up this three-car garage. And so him and his wife decided, let's get some flowers, let's get some chocolate, and uh, let's, let's give this, let's walk this 75 feet to their front doorstep and say, we are so happy for you hmm. that you, um, you found this new person and, and that this is a new chapter of your life. And I was thinking about all this, just blown away by the contrast to someone else that I know. Hmm. Someone else that I know is 65. She was married for 40 or 50 years. He walked away. There was someone else. She is overwhelmed with grief to the point that it has stolen every aspect of joy she's ever had. There's a lot that she could look at in her life and, and find a lot of joy in kids and grandkids, a nice life, a nice house, nice income, nice future. She had a good marriage for most of it. And as she was talking to my friend and I about this, all that you sense almost like oozing out of her is bitterness. Hmm. I mean, it's it's so real to her that it you can almost see it on her face. You know, yeah. you can see it in her expressions. And as we were talking, Tim, before we were, uh, we started recording this episode, we were talking about bitterness uh, as it pertains to how damaging it can be in your life. Yeah. Bitterness is poison you drink hoping it will kill somebody else. Mm-hmm. Bitterness is poison this poor lady is drinking thinking that it will teach him a lesson. How dare he do this? How dare he leave her behind? How dare he be unfaithful in their marriage? And yet there I was sitting there last night, actually, with my friend, talking to this lady, listening to this lady. And our conclusion was simple. It was this. Everything that you're thinking right now is exactly the opposite of what you could be thinking and therefore experiencing. In other words, I asked her, if you were to confront him, something she talked about several times. If you were to confront your ex-husband, this 
guy that cheated acting like a pile of trash, if you were to confront him, what would you want the product of that confrontation to be? She said, I would want him to know that I want him to be happy. I would want him to know how much he hurt me. And I would want him to know that I want things to be peaceful moving forward. We have grandkids. We're going to see each other. I want him to be happy. I want him to know how much he hurt me. And I want things to be peaceful. And I said, those three things are what you need to focus on. Because in fact, those three things are completely missed on me in the 10 minutes that we've been talking. All I've been hearing is what he's done wrong, how horrible of a person he is, how much he's impacted you in such a negative way. And yet when you actually boil it down, if you were to confront him, the best possible scenario to that confrontation is three simple requests, write it down in a letter, send it to him and say, here's what I've done wrong. Hmm. And I'm sorry. Here's what I've done wrong, and I am sorry for my contribution to the falling out of our marriage. Wow. I want you to be happy. I'm really hurting because of the decisions that were made, and I want to move forward peacefully. I said, you send that letter. There is no final page to that book that leaves you wanting anything more than just what you've already been given. You've been given a gift. You send him that, you've seen change. It might not be changing him, it's changing you. Mm. And the bitterness that you once had that has wrapped itself around you like a snake just suffocating you is almost immediately lifted, even at the thought of it. The tears started flowing down her cheeks and she she realized that she was really onto something, but she just couldn't get this thick scale off of her to actually feel the freedom that that she was so close to finding. And she was so close to finding it because she wanted to forgive him, but she just couldn't figure out how because of this poison that she was drinking called bitterness. Yeah. Dang. It's crazy that those are both real stories. (laughs) So for those of you listening, if you didn't realize that those are real people that Matt has interacted with those are real people. Those are real, real people. stories. 100% real people. I think it's amazing um, the contrast between those two stories and the reactions to very similar predicaments. Right. Um, and so my thought, my takeaway from this is I'm sure we can all think of somebody who has wronged mm-hmm. us, someone who has hurt us in the past, someone who... Um, has potentially caused us to be bitter towards them mm-hmm. or just bitter about the situation in general. It might not, you might not have any ill intent towards them or um, anger. You might have forgiven them already. But I would go to say, like, is there, are you experiencing bitterness in any situation, even if it's just around what happened? I'm just bitter about this. Like, it's not a good thing. And, you know, and arguably you have, you have every right to be, to, to see that situation or, or what happened as a negative thing. But I think bitterness is also, um, I mean, more than just something that's not beneficial to you and actually harmful to your body. I see it as, um, almost like bondage. 
you know, mm-hmm. you're you're holding on to something or you're letting something affect you in a way that is negative and you're actually a slave to that thing. Mm-hmm. So I would encourage you all to really examine your lives and, and the situations that you've experienced and just see if there's any bitterness or any anything that you could just let go of. Sometimes it's as simple as that. Sometimes it's just, you know, writing a letter or, or, Mm -hmm. you know, deciding an end, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, this is not, I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to think about this. I don't want to, um, experience this bitterness anymore and just letting it go. I don't want to live in it. That's, that's exactly right. Yeah. Do you, do you remember, okay, as you're talking, I'm thinking of the different scenarios that are playing out in people's minds. You don't realize, Tim, you don't realize what this person's done to me. Yeah. I mean, you don't realize how I have every right in the world to be, yeah, to be livid about this. And you probably, <laughs> you probably do. There, yeah. there, there seem to be unforgivable things that occur in life. Mm-hmm. Horrible things that I wish no one, we all can wish no one would ever have to endure. And yet, as you were talking, I remember being up in Canada on tour with Between the Bird and Me. It would have been like 2000. I don't know, maybe eight, nine, ten. It's hard to keep track of that time because it's already been over a decade. Anyway, I was at a hotel in Canada and I saw a newspaper sitting on the front desk. And and on the front of the newspaper was a headline. The headline was Lancaster County School Shooting. Parents of victims forgive murderer's wife. Mm. Open it up, start reading. If you live in Lancaster County... If you live in Pennsylvania, you've probably heard of this story. If you live in the country, you've actually perhaps heard this story because what happened was small town in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, small Amish school, guy walks in with a gun and ends, I believe, mostly little girls' lives. It's terrible. Unforgivable. Mm-hmm. Sick and twisted and t- just terrible. Just terrible. I mean, it's hard to even talk about. Small Amish school, small county in Pennsylvania over a decade ago. The par- the wife of the murderer, the wife of this man, is approached by the parents of these little girls whose lives were cut short. The parents of these little girls were Amish. They visit or interact at some point in the days after this shooting. They approached the murderer's wife and they said, hey, we can't imagine what you're going through right now. We cannot imagine what you are going through right now as the murderer's wife in this tragedy. Her response was, how can you look at my pain when you have to face yours every time you go into your daughter's room and she's not there? Instead of reacting to that situation with bitterness, they reacted with forgiveness. Instead of reacting with anger they reacted with love 
And what did they find? They found that their story traveled outside of the county, outside of the state, to the rest of the country, and even to the world. This became a nationwide story. Because when someone forgives someone else, when someone cancels someone else's debt like that, it reminds all of us of what was done for us. Mm-hmm. We know it's true deep down. We, we know we are not deserving of the debt that was cleared. We are aware of how great the debt it is because we've committed it. We've contributed to it every day of our lives to this debt. And yet we know deep down that we're forgiven for it. And it's hard for us to even imagine. And yet when we see a story like this, we know it's true because this group of parents, grieving parents, visited the home of the murderer's wife to say, we can't imagine how you feel the pain and the grieving that you're going through right now. And her response is the type of response that we can have in our relationship with God, which is how can that be that you can come to my home when you're the one who, whose pain I should have to endure? Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard that story? I have, yeah. I'm not sure if it was if if you told me it or or someone else told me it, but yeah, I mean that's what what a powerful story. And like now like after our conversation about forgiveness and and now this conversation about bitterness, I'm just like thinking like who did that benefit the most? That action. Did it I mean I'm sure it benefited um the wife of this killer. Mm-hmm. I mean, she, you know, I'm sure a weight was lifted off of her knowing that the parents of these poor children didn't I see hold where this you're against going. her. But mm-hmm. who ultimately did it Did it serve? It served mm-hmm. these parents who are grieving. Mm-hmm. Because if they were just holding on to this, I mean, that's just going to make everything worse. It's okay to grieve. It's okay to to see those to see that action as, as something painful and something that's always going to hurt. But it is not beneficial. It doesn't make anything better. In fact, it makes it worse mm-hmm. if you're going to hold on to that bitterness and that unforgiveness. Right? I mean... It's amazing how we started with bitterness. Right off the bat, you <laughs> said forgiveness is really what we're talking about here, and you're yeah. exactly right. <laughs> because if, true, yeah. if, if, if you get to the point in your life where you can't forgive someone, you're going to have to pay more than the cost of having to forgive them. Yeah. The, the price of unforgiveness is lesser than the cost of what you will have to pay, mm-hmm. what you will have to go through and endure and, and face the rest of your life. It's right. just how it works. Yeah. And yep. bitterness is the name on the forehead of what, of what you're going to be facing. It seems mm-hmm. in addition to other, other realities, maybe it's the most poisonous. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean the word itself describes what it mm-hmm. tastes like, what it feels right. like. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's bitter, yeah. you know, it is not like, think of the face you make when you have, when you, eat something bitter or taste something bitter. I mean, like Hmm. that's literally what it feels like. It's not good. If you're, if you're feeling bitter, you're feel, you're tasting bitter. You're feeling bitter. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's not like it doesn't hurt anyone else but yourself. 
You know? <laughs> <laughs> if I it might hurt a little bit. Yeah, the I mean, person that has to look at your face. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. Sure. Sure. I mean, if I if yeah. I uh, and I apologize if anyone if any of you like horserad horseradish, but I remember I tried horseradish for the first time, and man, if I could go back and see the face I made, like, I mean, and and I was eating it. If my friend next to me, you know saw my face like it wasn't hurting him that I was eating her horseradish and making this terrible bitter face like <laughs> it was hurting it was me I was experiencing that you know and and I I don't think I love horseradish dude that. do you really <laughs> oh I'm Jewish oh you're Come Jewish on, that's right that's Woo! right give me as much horseradish I, I eat sushi <laughs> because I like wasabi I don't okay. like sushi because I like sushi. I just, oh, I get to eat food with soy sauce and was, yeah, I'm in. 100%. I don't mind wasabi too much, but horseradish, man. <laughs> I, I, it probably, I might even like it more now, but I just remember I tried it when I was younger and whew, no, the face for this episode is you eating horseradish for the second time in your life and yes. your wife taking a picture of your your reaction that's that's the cover has to be i'll i'll eat i'll eat horse horseradish live on uh, on social media for you guys i'll try it again do you want to look like during, tim it, continue I, on it was during a jewish passover actually that i tried it for the first time oh cool um and uh it was actually a really cool event and very um educational for me um but uh yeah it was <laughs> not i mean they said like they this represents like the like the bitterness or you know it yeah. was it was representative of something you know and it was yeah. it made complete yeah. sense what it was representative of cuz it was like yeah this this makes sense this is pretty bitter yep. this is this doesn't taste that good <laughs> that's great man but well yeah. we hope that this has impacted you as a listener in some way um it, our the way that we're wrapping this up is 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 not to negate the seriousness of this. <laughs> um, right. It is not a laughing matter. This is serious. Um, yeah. The the person that I was interacting with last night who's really dealing with this, this is so personal to them. It it is soaked into every area of their life. And if if that is you, mm-hmm. I understand. I've been yeah. there. I'm so thankful that I have I have been able to had time to work through things that I I was bitter about. And yeah. I can say that the the freedom that I'm starting to experience as a result is just so um, it's just a better way to live your life. And if this is difficult for you, I understand and take your time, but take a serious look at what has been said here in this conversation and then take a much serious, a much more serious look at what the Bible says or what people in your life that you respect have to say about Mm -hmm. how to get past bitterness and what is on the other side. Yeah. Um, I can guarantee you it's it's the kind of life that you would look at and say, I would much rather live that life than the life I've been living in bitterness. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you're definitely not alone. Um, I mean, if this was a pharmaceutical commercial, it would be four out of five Americans deal with bitterness. You know, the solution is forgiveness. <laughs> I don't know if that's a... That would be a good commercial. That, that would be a good commercial, right? <laughs> but then it wouldn't make them any money, so the pharmaceutical companies would that's never true. actually manufacture a commercial that's true. like that. You're, that's true. you're marketing. You, yeah. you, you know. And there's no You've money pitched there. those there's cool no ideas, money. and the company's like, nah, it's true, <laughs> but we'd rather just sell a lie. So we're going to go this yeah. way. <laughs> yeah. No, but it really is as simple as that. I mean, like, you have the control over that. Um, you know, it's, it's like you have the keys to the handcuffs. You know, you're holding them. 
you or you know how to pick locks, you can let yourself out of the prison. Like <laughs> you're you're the one keeping yourself there. Um, and it's much That's more it. difficult than that. It's not as easy as just like letting it go every time. But um, no, it's not. But it is worth it. It is worth it. It is worth it. If if you're if your dad hurt you when you were a kid, I would encourage you to reach out and ask him to just talk with you. Just 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 communicate. Just start down the road. Even if it's just a letter. For me it's a letter. Mm-hmm. The letter works for me because at least I wrote it down. I can see it. And sometimes I write letters I don't even send. Just mm-hmm. write the letter addressed to someone else and hang on to it. It yeah. is more helpful than you could imagine a lot of times. Has your dad hurt you? Has your neighbor hurt you? Has your spouse left you? Mm. Um, are you mad at God? Are you bitter at God? Yeah. Scream it out with him. You know, wrestle with him. But the worst thing that you can do is sit in it and let it poison you. Mm-hmm. Because if you do that, the longer that the longer the the more amount of time that lapses, the more severe of a toll it will take on you yep. in every aspect of your life. Your emotional, your spiritual, your physical. Mm-hmm. Every aspect of who you are will be infiltrated by this poison unless you start today to work on it. It's hard. Like Tim said, it's not cut and dry. It's not just writing a quick little letter, putting it in the mail, and it all goes away. No, it takes work, but you have to start. You, mm-hmm. you, you, you have to start. Otherwise, it will kill you. Yep. That's right. And I would just encourage you. I know it's hard. You can do it. A baby step, one little step at a time. Does the other person deserve it? Probably not. Do you deserve to be poisoned by their behavior? No. You can control that part. You can't control theirs. That's right. That's right. And that's probably the perfect way to sum it up. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's, that's it. So thank you all. I know this was a a heavy topic. Hopefully we were able to squeeze some lightheartedness into it somehow. Um, But thank you all for (laughs) for listening. And I I really do hope that you took something out of it. And if bitterness is something that you're experiencing, I I hope that um, we've been able to provide some kind of solution for you. Um, And I hope that you're able to take it. That's right. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Tim. That was a good yeah. conversation. Yeah. If you have any drumming, uh, some drumming videos, especially in light of what we just talked about with creativity, please make sure to hashtag uh, Holy Ghost Notes. Uh, Tim is really good at checking these <laughs> and putting them up on our social media. We want to feature you one a week. Yep. So That's keep right. um, keep pumping those drum videos out. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach out to us a lot of different ways. Um, what's the best way? Email. Email or social media is probably the fastest response, but yeah, email at uh, it's Matt and Tim at theholyghostnotes.com and our socials are at Holy Ghost Notes. So. so thanks a lot for listening. We really appreciate you and uh, a big shout out to uh, the Inner Circle, right, Tim? Yes, big shout out to the Inner Circle. Actually, I've got a number of names that I'm going to just shout out real quick. Um, so thank you very much to uh, Skylar Wood, Seth Miller, Cody Hartman, Oscar Garskog, I hope I pronounced that right. Matt Hicks, Javin Carrells, sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> Craig McMillan and Tyler Couric. Um, thank you guys so much for your support. Um, it's been really cool getting to know you all. Um, and I also, also want to just shout out um, Carl um, from Germany, uh, also an Inner Circle member. 
uh, he sent us some fresh roasted coffee beans um, oh, that's from a awesome. local shop in Germany uh, and also included uh, some nice notes that honestly um, just encouraged me so much and really made Aww. what we do worth it. I mean, you know, like we get on here and talk and, and it's fun and, and it's beneficial to, to me, but when I hear that it's impacting, impacting other people, it's, it means a lot more. Um, absolutely and it really makes it all worth it. So That's thank right. you, Carl. You're the man. It's been really good getting to know you as well. Um, and thank you just to our inner circle. Um, you guys are awesome. Yeah. Huge shout out to Oscar Garaskog. He is from Scandinavia. That dude is incredible. Yeah. If you live in Scandinavia or anywhere in Europe, if you, if you live in Europe, you should be friends with Oscar. Um, <laughs> you're on the same continent. I mean, come on. It's not that hard. Just go see him. Uh, that, that guy is, that guy is so cool. And he comes out to all of our shows over there. He's very supportive, even supportive awesome. of this podcast from mm-hmm. across the Atlantic. Incredible. So thank you, Oscar. We love you. Yes. Yeah. Thank you guys. And, uh, a portion of, uh, our earnings this month are going to, um, the Colorado coalition for the homeless. Um, and, uh, we're supporting them a little bit. They just opened up, uh, they renovated a hotel and opened up 139 mini apartments for the homeless in the Denver area. So, Hmm. um, super cool. We're going to be trying to support, um, a cause each month, um, with a portion of the Patreon earnings. So if you're interested in finding out more about what we're doing, um, we got some pretty cool rewards and obviously, uh, an incredible community group, um, that we're all always chatting back and forth and doing some, uh, live conversations. Uh, check it out. Patreon.com slash Holy ghost notes. Um, and I'll leave it at that. It's great. Cool. Thanks a lot, man. I got a lot out of today and glad we got to have the conversation. Absolutely. Something we can all learn from for sure. Yeah. So cool. All right, guys. We will uh we'll see you next time. See you next time. Hey. Thanks, Matt. Peace.